This week, Burt Lancaster tells us a need-to-see-it-to-believe-it story. They think it's all over. It is now, as we go back to 1966. We contemplate the human ray of sunshine that is the delectable Doris Day, and we spend millions in search of clouds with Howard Hughes. And finally, <laughs> that's Donald Duck for Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Yes, welcome to yet another evening. I am Tosin, and we are broadcasting from Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. Joining me in the studio for the next hour to guide you through some of the historic heights that cinema has climbed to through the ages are Sharon. Hello. Sean. Hi, yeah. And Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. Okay, also joining us from uh, Adopted Wood Alveston are my good friends for at least the last few hours, Mick and Ted. Now, guys... I'm going to tell you all something that I expect to baffle you as much as it baffles me. This is show 30, people. Ooh. I know. I know. I was going to say, <laughs> about two special, weeks, I'm 30. Crikey. <laughs> Same age as me. My birthday on Sunday. Mate. Happy birthday, sure. Happy yeah. birthday, I'm going to tell you how old I am. He's just over 30. <laughs> <laughs> just over 30, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, okay. Um, anyway, as I said, welcome to Make a Ted. I think you guys, um, well, hopefully you guys actually got the radios working and you're listening to us at the moment. Um, right, what happens every week on this show, as the show is called They Don't Make Them Like They Used To, we go through old movies and talk about great bona fide classic movies. And we usually pick one film as we think, okay, this film, everybody should watch it, everybody should actually have a go and see this thing. And this time, Sean has a first pick. So, Sean, what have you picked for us this week okay this is um a burt lancaster movie vietnam war film um it's called go tell the spartans and um, it's one of those films that didn't really get much of a release because the year after apocalypse now came out and, and all those other big ones but uh, just before i go into the synopsis i'll just read you a few i was reading a few reviews from people and from around the world it said best vietnam war film ever so close to reality it hurts a worthy relevant modern war film one of the best vietnam movies and I have to agree with the, um, a lot of those uh, those comments. Yeah. So, and basically, it's a story of uh, the when the Americans first got involved, they they formed, they sent out military advisors, MACV, Military Assistance Command, Vietnam, and this was to train up the militia and the troops to to fight the communists, yeah. fight the VC. Yeah. And uh, it's a small group of Americans that have to go. And, and fortify this old French fort. Um, and the, the, there's a graveyard there with lots of French soldiers in. And across the, the graveyard. Across the, across the top of the, yeah, across the entrance of the graveyard. You know, if I fought and died here, go tell the Spartans. And, and it's just, I don't know, for me, when I first saw this, I mean, this was one of the ones I only caught on TV. And it just really, really, I thought, this is excellent. This is just like... How I imagined it could be before, yeah. and and there's all comments in the film about oh the only way we're going to win this war is if we get American ground you know foot yeah, soldiers yeah, in, yeah. and so so yeah it takes part before the the Americans got seriously involved in um, 
65, I think. Yeah, so because the film, uh, okay, after you have been going on and on to me about watching this film, I actually watched, uh, I watched, I think I've watched everything but the last 10 minutes okay. of the film. That was the only bit I liked. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only bit that was worth yeah. watching the last 10 minutes. You didn't see the minutes. bit with the aliens, Tozen. Oh, good oh, lord. Really they, they didn't do a Spielberg there, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out they're all, they're all sort of. Dude, bring the aliens in and it just ruins the whole thing. Yeah. But the film starts off with a little bit of a history lesson. Yeah. So, uh, because I th- as opposed to, well, I think, most Vietnam War movies, where you actually they they sort of start after the conflict is like in full flow and everything this tells you about the french being in vietnam and then the french pulling out and then north and south vietnam and how the north sort of like you know i think it's the communist north yeah. invades the invades the they, south they, they didn't actually invade what they did was they there was in the south there were well, the vc Viet Cong, mm-hmm. charlie whatever they used to call them yeah they were southern they were southern um, Vietnamese people yeah. that were sort of sponsored by the North Vietnamese to to cause a bit of a an uprising. Yeah. So, I mean, the actual North Vietnam actually had the MVA, the North Vietnamese Army. They yeah. actually had a proper standing army, whereas the Viet Cong were more like guerrilla fighters. Yeah. Which, clever enough, I know we go a little bit of history here. Is during the Tet Offensive in '68, the 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 Viet Cong Charlie practically got wiped out and yeah. then that was just really really nice for the North Vietnamese to go in and oh, go in and, just uh, and you know so there wasn't anybody to if you were fight the North Vietnamese mm. so yeah it's, I mean yeah. I, I grew up in that era and, and it's probably the most televised and the most photographed and it was it was constantly on the news and, and being in my teens yeah um, it really really struck a chord you know and I, I mean it was one, at one time that was my favourite film genre yeah, yeah. Oh, but the thing is, because I know it was, it was actually, there was a time when the Vietnam War movie was all the rage in yeah. America. It was all the rage in Hollywood. It was all everybody made a Vietnam War movie because, and it seemed like America was doing a lot of soul searching over what happened. Yeah, what what happened at that time? I, and uh, I think at this this film, out of all the Vietnam films, it, it's uh, it's the only one I think I've ever seen that set in that period. Yeah, before it actually all kicks off properly. And like like you were saying, like well, sort of like with the benefit of hindsight, some of the things that they're saying, and you're just thinking, mm-hmm. oh my word, that's that's a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I mean, the, the one bit sort of uh, well, there's loads of comments. I th- and I think Burt Lancaster for me, this is this is brilliant, and it's just one, this is one of my favourite Burt Lancaster films. When yeah. I, when I was younger, I was never a big fan of Burt Lancaster or those sort of actors, but yeah, Burt Lancaster, he's 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 terrific in this. He really strikes me as an you know, old grizzled soldier, and and the quote in it where he's talking to the conscript and he said, "Oh, you're a tourist. Um, it's a pity we couldn't have yeah. shown you a good one, like like you know, a good war. Anzio or, yeah. or breaking into Bastogne with Patton. But this one's a sucker's tour. Yeah, it's just you know, this is going nowhere. It's just yeah, yeah. because that's the thing that you, I think I, I find like from from the word go, the film just seems to be drenched in this sort of dread." Where like from from the first opening couple of scenes, you're just kind of like, this is not going to end well. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think the part yeah. of the reason for that is there's a lack of anything else going on. There's not a lot of music. Yeah. There's not a lot of, of a new, unnecessary sound or anything. It's almost just like this is this is yeah. happening. Yeah. Follow, and, and, follow and, what's going on. and it doesn't try and do the it doesn't try and do the war as an action movie thing no. either. No, no, it's just some chaps. Yeah. yeah. There's just some chaps and and you know. The conscript at the end, he sort of gets resigned to it when all you know all this horror because 
you know. Yeah, because he uh, because he shows up, he shows up, and he's also idealistic, idealistic and he's all yeah. kind of like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna go out there, we're yeah, gonna yeah. be American, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna like try and help people yeah, yeah. out and all that kind of stuff, and it's and no, no, you can't kill that person because that's not right, yeah. or you can't do this. And he just he he kind of slowly gets broken down broken when down. all of his idealism yeah. just gets sucked out of him. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a laugh a minute film, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just think it's a really really great film, you know, and it's um. It's it really, really deserved. It's one of those ones that sort of went under the radar. Yeah. And, and I just I remember I saw it late late at night once on TV, and I just thought, wow, this is this is brilliant. Yeah, no, and I agree. I think I thought it was a very, very good film. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a very good film. And uh, speaking about Burt Lancaster, as you were saying, because I don't think I've seen much of Burt Lancaster when he was actually a young man. Most of what I've seen is when he's in his grizzled older years. Yeah. And this is actually really, really good. And there's one bit that I think like I just love the way like the director and everything like that. They just knew what they had with Burt Lancaster. And there's this one speech he gives about why I'm not why I'm still a major. Major, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes. I'm gonna play it now. Okay. Slightly edited. <laughs> slightly edited but i think it's i think it's brilliant because it just it just tells you the story and it tells you kind of like it tells you it, it gives you an idea of the kind of people who have ended up in vietnam at this time it's not necessarily the most prestigious place to place. be sent as as somebody in an american <laughs> army and this is a story about how kind of he's ended up in the situation he is which i think is quite frankly hilarious what did you ever ask yourself that why, after two wars and a bucket full of medals, I'm still a major? Well, I wasn't going to ask that, sir. Listen, in the Pentagon, there's a secret vault, and nobody has the key but the chief of staff. Where's it around his neck? And in that vault is a list of names of officers who are not gentlemen. Now, any time an officer comes up for promotion, the chief steals into that vault and runs down the list. If the officer's name is on that list, zap. No promotion. I'm on that list. I'm not a gentleman. Oh, I was once, yes. But uh, there's a certain general. I won't tell you his name or how many stars he wears. But I was his aide for a while, right after moving up to Major. He had a wife, you know, some 20 years younger than he. And I guess he wasn't up to snuff in the conjugal department. Because it wasn't long before I found myself being groped. But I was a gentleman now. And this was my general's lady. And I try to be courteous and remain upright at all times. How long can a fellow remain upright when he's being crawled all over every time the general goes out to take a pee or something? Not long, right? Well, finally, I screwed up. Big mistake, Al. Big mistake. I thought I'd cool her off some, but it turned out that I got hooked. She was the hottest thing I ever had in all my life. Wow. Thereafter, I found myself humping her on any and every occasion in all fashions known to men. And one night, there was a big to-do at an embassy in Washington. And I accompanied the general and his lady. Very prestigious affair. Even the president was there. And while the general was brown-nosing around the president, the lady and I slipped out into the garden. You know what a gazebo is? Well, it's a big birdcage piece of junk that sits in gardens, covered with rose vines. The lady and I slipped quietly into this dark little bower as she sat with her back to the door while I remained standing, keeping a sharp lookout all around. Whereupon she proceeded to make love to me, orally. Well, as you well know, it comes a time in a sexual encounter when a fellow is apt to lose interest in the surroundings, which is precisely what I was guilty of doing. And when things swam into focus, the first thing I saw was the general, standing in the arch, pink roses all around his old gray head, and next to him was the ambassador's wife, and you know who. 
president? Of the United States. On a tour of the embassy gardens. Jesus H. Christ. There are stronger words for that situation, Al. Like gee whiz, and oh gosh, and golly. Because the lady with her back to the door didn't know they were there. And she had not yet ceased operations. And that's why, after all these years, I'm still a major. What'd you do? Do? When you saw him standing there. I did the only thing I've ever been trained to do. I saluted him. You like that, then? <laughs> okay, judging by the look of Sean's face, I might need to apologize for playing that to some people. Sean, that's like the reddest I've ever seen you. Well, well, I'm not sure if that's... I didn't, okay I didn't understand it. What were no, no, I didn't. No, of course, no. No. That was... But, but I mean, that is a great scene. And there's a there's there's another... That other scene I was saying about the Tucker's tour, that's when he's he's doing another speech. But yeah. And he is at his best in this. Yeah. Uh, but there's some action scenes in it as well. I think there's some really, really good action scenes in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they attack the the base camp, you know, um, and you've got the all the different soldiers there. You've got the idealist, the conscript, and it's the, just it's just really really worth a watch. Yeah, it? yeah, because I, I think that there's there's this bit at the beginning where he oh, where they almost have like a sort of rogues gallery, gallery yeah. of the different people who come in because he's just got he's just got like his new. He's just got his new um, replacements, replacements, yeah. yeah, or his new new recruits to his to his garrison or whatever it is, and he sort of brings them in one by one. And then there's the sort of like really really naive person. There's the one who says, "I believe it's my duty to to like you know fight whatever war my <laughs> my country is fighting," and it's and when you think about things that just make you feel, "Oh my god, this is gonna go really really bad," is like he puts because they're sent to this area where he thinks it's not that big a deal. It's not mm. gonna be that. There's not gonna be any action. There's not gonna be any danger. We can just go in there, walk in there, do the thing. So he puts this guy in charge, and everything this guy does is a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It every is. single, every single <laughs> act that he does, you're like, he is going to get them all killed. killed. Yeah, he's good. Yep. He's and it's it's so uh, I think that he so it's just really really good characters. There's a character called Cow Cowboy. Cowboy, yep. Yeah. In charge of the the, the um, militia, in charge of the yeah uh, yeah he's yeah. yeah he's like the Vietnamese translator Later. and stuff like that yeah. and he just and he, he's there's things about it where I actually, I actually wonder whether John McTiernan who watched who directed Predator was a fan of this probably because when you look at the way there's one scene in the way Cowboy is dressed is almost exactly the same way a character who looks a bit like Cowboy is dressed in Predator Predator that's right yeah, yeah the guy yeah. you fight yeah yeah, yeah. With, with the machete and everything like that yeah. and the way he like when he, and I was just, just kind of like oh this, this looks familiar th- there's that bit I really like when when Burt Lancaster comes to sort of pull them out doesn't he and he goes um Make him stay back now, because stop him swamping the um, oh yeah the helicopter. because because they land mm. and, and they decide to take yeah. all the Americans and leave all the Vietnamese the Vietnamese behind. yeah and then the, the the conscript stays behind and you just see because you just see cowboy that's the character of of the translator yeah and they look at him they look at the you know they look at the guy with quite a lot of respect yeah know, they look at him behind because like... he decides to stay behind so yeah so I mean it's just great there's all there's as I say, I think it's probably my favourite Vietnam War film. I mean, I was talking with Joe earlier on about uh, Full Metal Jacket, which that's I think, superior I think, and I think that's a bit of a rip off of another Vietnam film called The Boys in Company C. So, but Joe hasn't seen that. So okay. That's worth a check as well, by the way. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah, but I, I think, oh, I think oh, it, it is a very, very good film. I yeah, think it's it's, it's a very, very good um, Vietnam movie. I mean, a very good movie, full stop. But especially what it says about Vietnam and yeah. how it's how it's sort of like critical, of, almost about the American attitude towards things. 
there's like the bits where he goes to like a some sort of Vietnamese chief and he makes a deal and the guy's like how do I know the Americans are not going to yeah. come back for the ammo he's like um, they've never asked for anything <laughs> back <laughs> essentially why because the bookkeeping is too hard because yeah. <laughs> uh, I think in those countries, I mean, I mean, corruption was rife. You, oh, yeah. in, in all those countries, wasn't it? It was. I mean, that was the, the big thing with the South Vietnam. Was, yeah. was everybody was so corrupt. The government, the officials, everybody was all, all, uh, which is why it all went a bit pear shaped. I think, mm. apart from other things. Yeah, and uh, and I think one of the things that we, I think this film also caused me to have one of the most painful eye rolls I've I've had for ages. It's one when the when the naive guy who's put in charge, the naive lieutenant who's put in charge, he has this line where he says. He's like, he, they were talking about oh, the, but the French who were here before they did this and they lost. It's like, well, we're not gonna lose because we're American. Because we're Americans. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> it's uh, and it's, the fact it was made by Americans tells you like they're just being really critical about the way they handled it. And I think it's a really good film, but it's not it's not a bucket of laughs because from yeah. word go, you know, this is not going to end well. That's right. Well, yeah. well, Bert Lancaster was very left wing actually, which surprised me really when I looked. You know, I looked at thing. He was. Uh, he wasn't it was like a lot of the actors was you know slightly left and mm-hmm. I mean I think the film we did a few weeks ago Zana's Raid was yeah similar sort of thing yeah it's, it's, I haven't seen that yet but I mean from what I've heard it sounds like a similar like you have yeah, the yeah. idiot who's in charge and like you think everyone's gonna die yeah <laughs> so, alright um, Sharon you've been quiet I'm guessing that's because you haven't seen this film I'm trying to think I probably have seen it because I've seen a lot of these Vietnam War films but it's blurring in my mind a little bit with others I've seen of that type because I'm thinking I've seen one similar but I think it was set during the Korean War okay. so um, where it's so, more uh, talky and it's about more of a character piece rather than you know tearing up the whole country okay. but I have seen a lot of the Vietnam War films so the, of the period you know the, the ones made closer to when they actually happened and the revisionist ones you know that were made in the 80s okay. mainly yeah so after what we said you reckon is a good enough recommendation and after that clip we just played of Burke Lancaster you <laughs> <laughs> enough, enough recommendation for you to actually go watch this film I probably would go and watch it yeah just to because I quite like Burke Lancaster I was thinking because my perception of him has always been you said you've seen a lot of his older yeah. roles my he's like this Crimson Scarlet a pirate mm. and things like that where oh, yeah? he did a lot of those swashbuckling roles in mm. his in the 30s and 40s he was a trapeze well, artist, I think. Because he was a gymnast, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 And he was a circus mm. performer, yeah. He was a circus yeah. performer. So that's how I think of him, as a lot of those rip-roaring... Has, has anyone ever Newbile, seen... Slick back yeah, hair where he guy. was always jumping and diving about and doing all these acrobatic things. It's, yeah. it's great talking about um, things like this. Has anyone ever seen Atlantic City? That's an old uh, Burt Lancaster Is that, is that Burt Lancaster and yeah. Kirk Douglas? 1980. Is, yeah. it, is that when they're like also like zoot suits and like hats and fedoras? Well, and no, 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 no. This is one where he's like an old, he, he, he's, he's old in this. So what year is it, Joe? 1980. 1980 yeah. was, uh, yeah. And um, Atlantic City is about, uh, well, it's about Atlantic City with all the casinos. And he used to be like a, a mob enforcer and all that, but he's getting a bit old. And, oh, yeah. And yeah, it's so really, Atlant- if you check it out, Atlantic City, terrific. I think was, I'm not sure if it was his last film. He did yeah, Field of quite. Dreams as well, didn't he? Oh yeah, he was in Field. That was his last, perhaps his last film. Yeah, well, I, think, I remember seeing him in a <laughs> film with Kirk Douglas, where I can't remember what it is. There were, there it, were old, all, all three old guys, weren't they, who got back together again? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, 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 it was something like oh, oh tough guys, something like that. Tough that's, guys. That sounds, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that that's probably right. tough guys. I think that was the first. I think that was the first film I ever saw with him in it. Kirk Douglas, Charles, yeah, that's it. Thank you very much for that, Sean. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much, Bert, for that wonderful, wonderful monologue. <laughs> but now... <laughs> and Okay, and oh, Mick, Ted, if you're still with us, we'll be talking to you guys next and talking about your stuff next. But now we have a film quiz. 
every week, Joe comes up with a couple of clues to try and outfox the rest of us in the studio about a movie legend. And we have four clues. And by the end of the end of the quiz, we have to figure out who this movie legend that he's talking about is. They're normally fiendish, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Well, last week was good. Yeah, yeah that's, that's mean. Yeah, that's look, mean. last week. I mean, Joe might as well have had like you know a cape and a handlebar mustache and twirled <laughs> and went. Nah. Oh, it was the <laughs> last. Yeah, the last one really well threw plan, us tonight. A really well laid trap. Okay, so what do you have for us this week? Clue number one. All right, very simple uh, clue to start off with. This screen legend has a kind of vocal disorder named after them. Ooh, Ooh, interesting. A vocal disorder named after them. Could it be the Jimmy Stewart, whatever he does? (laughs) (laughs) And who was that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Back to Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she does do like a whole show as Donald Duck. (laughs) All right, cool. Thank you very much. So earlier today, um, obviously on this show, we don't just want to talk about films that we think are great. We also want to find out what it is that you think. So I go around the hospital. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we're also going to talk about films that aren't great. <laughs> we're going to talk <laughs> oh, about we've films. Done a few of those. We're <laughs> going to about films that are total rubbish. No, and so uh, I will, I go to the hospital usually on Fridays and speak to people, asking them two questions. Um, number one, what is or tell us the story of the first time you went to the cinema, and number two, what's the greatest film that you've ever seen? And I spoke to Mick and Ted Downer in Alveston uh, Ward. And first up, we're going to hear Mick and what Mick said about. Uh, I think he's talking about the first time he went to the cinema. Hi, my name's Mick. I live in Cows Isle White. I'm stuck in the hospital with my knee being remended. <laughs> first time I went to cinema, Christ, that Saturday morning pictures. That's, wow, let's go back a bit, that was. <laughs> yeah, Saturday matinee, yeah. And saw the old Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck cracks and that sort of stuff. They was just so comical. Not like the ones now. It's There's no feeling in it. No, don't give you that bit of, I don't know, pizzazz, I suppose. You know, it's it's not like it used to be. I, I, if I see them now, I love it. I'll, start, I'll go straight back, you know, so. So find me some. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll try and play. We'll try and find some of the original Mickey Mouse music and play. Yeah, it love it. Yeah, that'd be great. I would. Yeah, Mickey. <laughs> Hello, Mickey. <laughs> you can't help but love that guy. <laughs> you seriously, seriously can't help but love that guy. All right, guys, we, we will talk about uh, what Mick said in the first, but first of all, I want to play Ted as well and what Ted's choice was for something that he remembers. Not the first thing he ever saw, but close to it. And this is Ted. I think the uh, the earliest one I can remember is, um, is uh, 1966. Um, after the we won the World Cup, they brought out a film called Goal, and um, that was fantastic to be able to sort of see it all in colour and, you know, all, all as it happened, you know, brilliant. So this was a film about, was it? Documentary? About, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a film about uh, us winning the World Cup in um, 1966. They brought the film out just at, at the end of the year. So it was really good. The, they actually told you all about, had the build-up to it, and it was, a, it was just film of, of the actual build-up and the, and the final. Fantastic time. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll 
be a while before we see that again. Oh, if, if we ever do. <laughs> I can't see us getting 11 decent players together to be able to challenge any of the other teams that uh, are, there, are there at the moment. It's got me dreaming, it's coming home, it's coming home. I love rugby. It's <laughs> Out. I think that's got to be the best football song, hasn't it, they've ever I done. Think, I think that is the best football Even song of all time. Even though it's 50 years of hurt now, isn't it? Well, almost. <laughs> it's going it's gonna to continue to 100 years. It's kind of like what, it's like what Ted was saying. Yeah, it's probably never going to happen. But like, okay. Sure. Sean, you're yeah. a Bournemouth fan. You're a Bournemouth boy. I am a Bournemouth boy, yeah. And you guys have just had like what is probably going to be like winning the World Cup for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, prob- we, we got promotion to the Premiership. Oh, Champ- I they scored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, oh, I, I, I've been so lucky, so really. Bournemouth are in the, the Premiership? They're in the Premiership. I didn't know that. Yeah, they've gone up to the Premiership. <laughs> was that what that picture was all We'll about? be playing Man United. And Ch- yeah, that's what that, that picture was, oh, that I was Oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. totally Even I worked that one out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't class sport view. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's really okay, cool. so uh, what I want to ask is, so but he was talking about going to watch Goal in like 1966. So I'm trying to think, like, would that be kind of like for you if somebody released a documentary of Bournemouth season uh, with Eddie Howe and said this is how they actually <laughs> did it, this is how they won the thing? Uh, po- possibly, possibly. Um, this was more, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, really. I'd have to think about that one. But um, <laughs> this this film... Uh, I mean, lots of people of of that era would love it. Look, teenagers, younger. I mean, it's because it's got loads of of of. Well, it's just a documentary, really, narrated by Nigel Patrick, who good old British actor. Oh yeah. Um, been in a few things. You'd recognise him and recognise the voice. But what was quite funny, the thing I remember is, even though it was a black and white TV, I remember watching this and with my uncle and my dad, and um, it come out that that England playing in red because they played in red and my uncle said oh that's bloody bad luck that is they're going to be playing in red we should be playing in right we're bound to lose now and I, I really remember he got really angry because they played in red but they went on to they went on to win in the end but it was silent that day that day there was oh no, it was like there's nothing around I mean there wasn't a lot on. of traffic around anyway but there was nothing going on it was like you know real quiet the, the, everywhere I, th- I think during that time was probably quite tired Joe's sort of looking a bit I just uh, I don't know uh, <laughs> I... Joe 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 uh, should I stop you now before you say something that might get you might get you might get your passport taken away <laughs> so it might incriminate people... you permanently <laughs> yeah people quite like football don't they yes exactly yeah, yeah. let's, let's just leave it at that leave it at that people really like football cool. full yeah. stop or <laughs> and let's uh, also what about Mick Mick was talking about uh, going there and watching like you know the Mickey Mouse and the Donald Duck cartoons and all that kind of stuff that's more up Joe Street he's, he's, well, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> what kind of an image does that present to the listeners <laughs> like, he, does, he doesn't like, like football as a man he likes cartoons uh, <laughs> it's true though that is Use true and joyfulness yeah. and uh, the embracing Life and love and there happiness. Nothing, That's what it's telling us about you. Yeah, yeah nothing wrong with cartoons whatsoever. <laughs> Not whatsoever. Nothing wrong with no. them whatsoever. No. It's like, like Mick said, put them on right now. I would, I'll tell you what I used to do, right? I had like a box set of Tom and Jerry. And each time we had a party around the house or anything like that, I would just put it on in the background. And you would just watch the room. All these people who were kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm so cool and all that kind of stuff. Football, football, football. Or girls, girls, girls. Little by little, everybody would just sort of like quieten down and look at the screen. I just watched Tom and Jerry. It's genuinely funny. It's genuinely The timing is great. Yeah. When I first moved out to China, I remember putting the TV on and thinking, I'm not going to have a clue what's going on here. I'm not going to understand a single program. I put it on. 
Tom and Jerry was on. Yeah. I was good. And then they started talking in Chinese. <laughs> That would have been even funnier, I it does, imagine. It, it didn't have speech, but they felt the need to put words over the top of it. What, sort of, what were it. they saying? I don't know. I'm just, just yeah. In Chinese, things like, <laughs> yeah, oh, don't you know chase Chinese. me. <laughs> yeah, but don't, don't chase me, cat, or whatever. Like, it, <laughs> it didn't need it. It ruined it. That would have been an experience. I used to like Mammy, you know, with her wrinkled stockings. I used to like her the best. More than Tom and Jerry, I used to like... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a brilliant, brilliant puzzled <laughs> reaction. Tony was going, what the hey? Who the heck's that? She used to scream, didn't she? She used to oh, she running out with a broom. They, oh, she, oh, she was the one who would go. That's it. That's the one. Exactly <laughs> right. Are you sure you weren't the voiceover man? I yeah. just like that bit the best. I could go and just get fed up with the running around, yeah. but I used to like her coming out and sweeping them with the broom. Didn't or Whoopi shouting. Goldberg have to do a, a record an introduction to the DVD box set to get away with releasing it? I don't. I don't know what, what I have. Oh, noticed. because they thought it was a racial stereotype. I, think, I, think I suppose yeah. at the time yeah. it might have been. The DVD right, box set that I had didn't have. Uh, it didn't have a Whoopi Goldberg. But you know, whenever like let's say Tom put his head in a in a kettle, yeah. and like it blew up, <laughs> yeah. and then he would look at the screen, and his face would be black, and his lips would be big and red. Oh yeah. yeah. Be like wah, wah, yeah. Do the double yeah. blink thing. <laughs> yeah. They cut all those out. Yeah. And she <laughs> specifically in, in the little introduction thing that she she references, she talks about all of that and says. Back in the you know back in these times we were a bit different back then blah 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 yeah yeah but this see I never I had... even connected her with being a black character I just thought she was just mammy she was just the lady who came out with the broom she, so you, I didn't you only ever saw her with the stockings down you know, oh, yeah, you, yeah, never yeah, you, you never you never saw any <laughs> human's face in Tom and Jerry in classic Tom and Jerry you never saw a human's face mm. uh, but yeah. Oh, but I, I agree with what he was saying about, like, you know, uh, I think it was mainly about the timing, the timing and the way they actually construct. And I think sometimes the construction of some of these cartoons is just crazy. Yeah. Like, you could see that they, and when you consider the fact that they had to now draw everything, and then in those days it was a lot slower, so it yeah. would have taken them years All to make, pages. like, a seven-minute thing. Hmm. And I think another thing I used to love about the Tom and Jerry ones was when they used to have the, the devil mouse on one shoulder <laughs> and the angel mouse on the other shoulder. Yeah. Whenever I make my business partner, whenever he makes a bad decision, I said, you're, you're listening to that evil mouse again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said, I, I you like never the... listen to the angel, you always listen to the little devil one. My, my favourite, <laughs> it was the little mouse, his little, his little, his little kind of, touche, monsieur Pussy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the musketeer Jerry. ones. Yeah, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry has to keep Western. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, but back to Mickey Mouse, I mean, the, the, what are the big companies? You had Warner Brothers as well, didn't you? With yeah, like Daffy yeah, and, yeah. and, and I'm, I, My favourite of all that kind of type, sort of cartoons that precede the film I've always been a Betty massive Boop. Betty Boop fan I knew you were going to say how did you that? know I, I, I just, just really have I just absolutely yeah. adore the character is it because she, she is it because she kind of looks a little bit maybe sort of like a stylized Chinese person I think it's because she's made of pen and ink <laughs> and she can uh, Joe I'm going oh, no to let you into a secret no now. one knows the song Boop 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 yeah, she's yeah. made of pen and ink. She can win you with a wink. No, 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 that song. Ah, uh, no. and did you know that Simon Cowell is producing a movie version of it? Oh wow! Well. Oh, but dear. Joe is um, what, a live action one, or a <laughs> I don't know, but I, I don't want freaky. to. Okay, okay. everybody, Sean, Sean has a secret. Yeah, secret. Joe has a whole room dedicated to Betty Boop. He's got purses and statues and all <gasps> sorts of money boxes, all sorts of things. Well, you know what you're going to get if your birthday then. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, Sean. Sean, yeah, I yeah. can't even but, but, refute that now without but, sounding like. Yeah, yeah, yes, Joe. Uh, yeah, for your birthday, I'm going to get you help. <laughs> <laughs> I need some. I've got it actually uh, uh, on CD. I tell you what, though, that reminds me of the film. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Because oh. they're all in that. Aren't yeah, they? yeah, they're, they're all in the you've film. You've got the Warner yeah. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. You've got the, the, the Disney. It's, it's the only time that She's you've in ever, that as well. That's the only time the you've ever had Disney and Warner Brothers. Yeah, it's the biggest like, achievement of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that they actually have. They have that whole sequence of the piano with Daffy Duck and Donald Duck fighting over who gets to play the piano, and it's just like. Then really how Disney managed to how why how Disney agreed to have their characters. Yeah, I know yeah. Disney are usually that was big 
big, big success. Big they're, success. They're a family yeah. company, but man, word, they're horrible capitalists. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, but she was in that one, she Betty Boop, but I think she was in black and white. She, she, yeah. she was. She should, she's, she's she, always been. Yeah, she, she was a black, black and white, and she'd fallen down in hard times, and she was like serving oh, drinks. I'm trying to think. There was recently a short film before a big film. It's quite, quite, it was last year, I think, where it had an, a vintage like Disney cartoon with Mickey Mouse, and they're on this old jalopy, and then it bursts through the screen and it oh, turns yeah, into like the 3D. modern version yeah, of it and it, it goes, goes to like 3D. CGI yeah I'm trying to think what that was but that sort of blended the two like the old style animation where they yeah. were were drawn quite simply and they and then they had them the real like the it was, it was before it was the oh. Technicolor fat versions I have today because they all seem to be much bigger and a bit rounder and a little bit yeah more obese don't they like the rest of us I suppose well, <laughs> it's <laughs> just mirroring my, yeah, art imitating life it's funny a bit of mixed interview that I didn't play he was talking about that about how in his words women don't look like women anymore who <laughs> 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 was that what, what Mick? Mick yeah Mick yeah. who I was speaking to was talking about how things were different because he said that in those days after they finished watching the film they would actually have ballroom dancing in the cinema yeah 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 I yeah, mean it's like I was like I mean if you think some of these cinema, well the old time cinemas were just absolutely beautiful some of them you know they, yeah they, he spoke about one it was theaters. it was the Queen Vic it was uh, the Queen Vic in London yeah, uh, yeah. they had a cinema in it oh, alright anyway oh so <laughs> As, as you can see, we can talk about this stuff for ages, but unfortunately... It wasn't, sorry, it wasn't before Big Hero 6, was it? Yes. Yeah, Film yes. Good Feast. Yes, yes, I think I was there. There we go, sorry. I, I, was there. I haven't seen that yet. No, I haven't. Big Hero 6 is really good, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and um, anyway, sorry, yeah, moving on. I said moving on. Moving there on. we are. <laughs> We're on. <laughs> so, a second time for a second clue. So we have a vocal disorder. We have a vocal disorder named after the screen legend. Right, the second clue. Uh... <clears throat> Along with three other screen legends, this screen legend was one of the four inspirations that helped compose the character Jessica Rabbit. You see, I don't just yeah. throw this together. <laughs> that come on, that's good. That's that's quite good. That's how did that go? That, that worked out pretty good. <laughs> I think. Nice. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hang on, who brought up Roger Rabbit? It was Joe. It was not me. It wasn't you. No. Was it Sean? It was whoever said to get all the characters together and Roger oh, Rabbit? Okay, that was, okay, cool. I'll give you that. Thank I'll you. Give you that. Thank you. I that, try, does, you know, I that does come together quite nicely. Put a nicely. bit of effort. It goes together quite yeah. nicely. Yeah. Don't oh. get the credit I deserve sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> As he looks at the back of his fingernails, yeah. but <laughs> polishes them on his jumper. <laughs> all right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, now uh, it's time for our second choice. A second choice of a film that we think bona fide classic. Everybody watch it and watch, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. And Sharon, what have you chosen for us today? Well, I've gone back in time to an age where it's much more innocent and more joyful, just like the film that that Bert, uh, that Bert Lancaster was in, really. But nothing like that. <laughs> That's not how you do a connection. That's not how you do a link, Sharon. No. Come on. No, this is a much more innocent, joyful film than the the, the clip that we heard. And this is Calamity Jane. It's also a film. <laughs> it's also a film. Yeah, they're well, they're connected. Is well, there's no connection between okay. them whatsoever. Okay. And it's 1953. Our lovely Doris Day and Howard Keel. Okay, cool. Let's just move on. I'm just going to get this to get us out of here. Over the Deadwood stages are rolling on over the plains. But with the curtains flapping and the driver a slapping the rain. A beautiful sky 
<laughs> and that's how you kick off a musical. Yeah. You use the song to introduce all the characters. You set the scene. You, yes. you know everyone, who everyone is. Yes. Corkin, what else do you need? Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, like, you know, what the synopsis of the film is, but the fact is, all you have to say is Doris Day and I'm there. Doris so, Day. Yeah. <laughs> Doris Day, that's all we need. Because no, no, he said just say Doris Day and I'm there. And I'm there. <laughs> there yeah. It's an almost entirely fictitious account of the, of, you know, of Calamity oh, Jane of Calamity and Wild Jane. I mean, they, they probably look nothing like. Well, we know we've seen pictures of them. Calamity Jane does not look anything like. No, Doris no, Jane. not particularly glamorous. No, <laughs> <laughs> she's a bit rough around the edges, unfortunately. Bless her. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is a, an entirely fictitious account, and it's probably an entirely fictitious Deadwood as well. Mm-hmm. But it's set in that time where the West is wild, and women are scarce. And they want to, there's an army post nearby and Calamity Jane has a weakness for one of the, a soft spot for one of the army captains. And everyone in the town is, have got, the, have got this sort of obsession with a Broadway, a Broadway star called Adelaide Adams. Oh yeah. And to, 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 to prove her point that she's you know, as good as any man, she's gonna, Calamity Jane sets out to go and get Adelaide Adams to perform on the stage at Deadwood yeah. and that's where the story starts she goes off to Chicago she grabs this actress brings her back to Deadwood and it turns out that it's not Adelaide Adams and then the romantic you know entanglements ensue between Wild Bill this actress cool I'm trying to think what her name is Oh, and and calamity jane and calamity jane oh yeah and her captain mm-hmm. and yeah so you have all these you have these set pieces like there's a lovely dance at the the army fort and when they're riding on the haywire they sing take me back to the black hills it's wonderful sort of lovely ballad yeah and then you see calamity jane the first time she's revealed in all her sort of feminine glory where she puts on this really pretty dress instead of her like buckskins and she is dancing, you know, yeah. as a lady. They all treat her like she's this lovely lady that she is underneath. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I think we had we had Calamity Jane on one of the f- early shows that we did, but we didn't choose it. it was a patient who chose it. And yeah. I was trying to think of like another song to play, and I was like, no, nah, I just got to play the Deadwood stage. <laughs> but but with that, hang on, it, there was a TV series a couple of years ago called Deadwood. Is yes, this the same Deadwood? The same Deadwood. Oh my word! You visualise that Deadwood. <laughs> Jedward, they're Jedward. in it as well. Jedward! <laughs> I told you I hated musicals. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's set in the same period of time. That period before Wild Bill gets gets shot when All he's right. playing his game of poker. And it, they're just trying to tame Deadwood. It's largely lawless. All right. And so, yeah, when you think of Deadwood and then you think of Calamity Jane, they're supposed to be happening at the same time. Because I've, I've never actually put those two things together in my head. That She sings a song called The Deadwood Stage. It doesn't occur to me that that's a town. It doesn't occur to me that that's supposed to be the same as the TV series as Deadwood. As the TV series, yeah. That is like the most sweary thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very nothing, grub- nothing and there's Calamity Jane is in there and while Bill appear yeah. in Deadwood. Yeah, it's nothing like a musical. No, it's nothing much to sing about, is there? <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that. But okay, so okay, we, so obviously we have Doris Day, and we could write yeah. a article about her. But we also have Howard Keel. Howard Keel, he's Wild Bill Hickok. Is it me, or doesn't he play a very similar character in Annie Get Your Gun? Yes, he is. He's uh, he's Frank Butler in Annie Get Your Gun, but that upright, you know, rootin' tootin', gun toting. Yeah, yeah. Ex army guy. Coming up, coming up Can you against just say a strong that again woman. for me, please, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> rootin' tootin'. <laughs> Just say it one more time, Sharon. <laughs> I wouldn't possibly. Rooting, tooting, gun slinging, gun toting. Oh, having said that, old man. I'm downloading this show the moment I get home. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Oh, man, we so need to get. 
we need to go talk about blazing saddles on one of these shows. Yeah, where this go. <laughs> I don't know if you'd hear us talking <laughs> through the laughter. <laughs> we'd just be out of control. We, uh, we spoke about blazing saddles. Not on the show, did we? Yeah, no, or we talk show, about it all the time. We, we talk about, How? yeah, we, we've had a conversation. Isn't that strange? Because we had a conversation about that. I think we may have mentioned it on the show once. When I said something like, I don't think they'd ever make that these days. Oh, oh, they probably couldn't oh, do it. And you, you said you reckon was, they could or something. I it was really. in your quiz. It was, was in it? Your, it was in your quiz. You had something about a guy at the end of the... No, no, no. That was another quiz I was at. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely talked about get it. Get a kick out of you. <laughs> but so, it's fun. I mean, it's it's nonsense, but it's fun as well. It, the heart is like a love story, but they sort of... They're, the, the people... And, the people they desire the most, like while um, Calamity Jane, she really loves her captain, mm-hmm. and while Bill, he really likes this Miss Addy guy, who the lady who comes in, from yeah. Katie, I think her name is, who comes in from the east, and then everyone goes, no, but you're meant for each other, <laughs> <laughs> and then as the the film progresses and they are like drawn together against their will at one point, but then they sort of see the, the worth in each other, yeah, and it's just like you know actually they're made for each other, and the captain and that the the prissy woman. They're made for each other too. He's a bit boring. She's a bit boring. Perfect for each other. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, you, you're, you're that wish fulfillment. You know that it, yeah. everything ends happily ever after. This sort of Hollywood romantic luggage. Yeah, and, <laughs> Log- and I think Doris Day. Logic. She does look lovely in this film. I think even when she's in her buckskins, she doesn't look as grubby as they really would have been. She looks quite nice. And then you see her in that these really pristine buckskins when she see, sings Secret Love. She looks gorgeous. Well, yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, I think it got to the point where Doris Day was. She was one of probably one of the early things of like brand where there was a definite Doris Day brand. Yeah. I don't think. I think it was for her. It was a departure when she showed up in a Hitchcock movie. Yeah, because she was nothing like the character she played. Was she? She was much more down to earth and more earthy. Well, yeah, yeah. She wasn't as perky. He said Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And then, was she oh, in Dialogue for Murder? One of those? Uh, no, no, it was she the was. The man who knew too much. The man, man who knew too much, much yes, with, with, with James Stewart. When I was just a <laughs> that's a great, yeah. great film. Yeah. Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock, do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I, mean, I mean, for her, it was a departure because you expected to be in light, fluffy, airy, yeah. happy things. So once you had a Doris Day movie, you knew. Good, light, fluffy airiness. I'm gonna leave with. And she kept coming face. back to that character. I mean, for 30 years, she played that. No, she played that sort of that perky blonde type character, even when she was beyond the age when she should have been playing a perky blonde. But she still did. And Mm -hmm. then every now and then she'd throw in these one of these films and you'd start and go, wow, actually, she could act. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but she was the whole thing was an act, so it just goes to show how good she was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as as I said in the intro, human ray of sunshine. It's yeah, but so this is fun. You can smile all the way through Calamity Jane without worrying about anything too dark. Sorry, yeah, is she still going, Doris Day? Yeah, she's still she's, alive. She's still alive. She? She's wow. just she's just sort of like receded from public life. She's been in retirement for sort of thirty odd years. Hasn't Hello, she? Doris, if you're listening. <laughs> <Does> she, <laughs> she she looks she does a lot of stuff with animals, doesn't I'm she? I'm she's like an animal welfare yeah, type yeah. person. Oh, yeah. Okay. Her Bridget Bardot. Yeah. But anyway, thank you very much for that, Sharon. And uh, oh, is it Doris Day? Is the answer Doris Day? Yeah. <laughs> no. <clears throat> no, I don't think anyone has a, a Doris Day vocal disorder. That wouldn't be a very nice uh, way of describing us, would it? <laughs> oh, you sing terribly. You must have some kind of Doris Day syndrome. <laughs> okay, clue three. Clue three. Uh, in 1999, this screen legend became the only surviving legend mentioned in the popular phrase from Madonna's uh, number one hit song, Vogue. Aha! This is who I was thinking of. I'm just going through the lyrics. <laughs> 
I got it. Yeah, I know. I got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just like imagine. I can just imagine Shaw sure, doing the Vogue dance, going. Yeah, I was. Jody Mar- you Malone Brando. <laughs> I, was, I was. I was actually doing that. Tyson. I was actually. He was. Hand, he did it. I was do, doing the hand gestures. Doing do, do, do the Vogue dance. Practicing your karate. Moves. His eyes glazed over, and his hand started framing his head, and it was, it was great. <laughs> Good tune. Wasn't it Mash? Uh, Sean. I'd I, I love to do that. actually film Sean doing the Vogue. <laughs> I used to do it quite well, you know. Seriously? Yeah, this morning. <laughs> I used to practice from that video when they do all the arms. like. <laughs> Come on, Vogue. Come on, Vogue. Vogue. Let your body move to the music. Oh, Sharon's just laughed her head off there. <laughs> <laughs> you both seem to have a, some sort of clue as to who it might be. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I know who it is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I know who it is. I was actually thinking of this. I was thinking if anybody had a disorder, it would be this person. And uh, I'm, after all this, I might actually be wrong, but I think I know who it is. Yeah. All right, cool. And now we have the final section of our show, which we call the exception to the rule. The rule being they don't make them like they used to, but every now and then we say that they do and they come up with something that is just as good as your Calamity Janes and your... What are the films? Go Tell the Spartans and your Donald Ducks and your 1966 World Cup movie. And today, Joe has picked the film. Joe, what have you picked for us? Well, to compete with the you know classic era, Hollywood's golden time, to compete with it, sometimes you've just got to embrace it. And I think uh, if you've got a, a filmmaking legend on the, on the, with the talent of Martin Scorsese, then you're very fortunate when he decides to tackle the subject matter that he uh, did with this particular film. He took the story of Howard Hughes and he turned it into the 2004 film The Aviator. The Aviator. Great film. It yeah. really is. It yeah. is it is it is a brilliant film. You seen it, Sharon? I've only seen clips of it. I haven't seen it all the way through. Yeah. I was I was put off a bit by Leonardo DiCaprio. I Don't went be. through that whole, you know, anti-Leonardo film where he was everywhere. <laughs> I was just like, you know, I'm not watching it because he's in it. <laughs> so I've only seen clips, but I do. It's one of those films I do intend to rectify that oh. gap in my it's, knowledge. Um, it's great if you if you have any interest in in that sort of period of Hollywood history at all, or just in yeah. good, good filmmaking, then it's it's a, you must see. I, I do I do think it's I think it's an amazing film. I mean, it's and Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, I think I understand a little bit about what it is because I, I think he's a very good actor. He's, he's brilliant. A, he, he's kind of like one of those unsung heroes for for this show who we keep saying people realize how good this guy is. Yeah, but I think it's he's different from someone like a Daniel Day. Lewis, for instance, who, when he becomes a character, he disappears. And you just don't see Daniel Day-Lewis anymore. You just see whoever it is he's been at that point in time. I think with Leonardo DiCaprio, you still see that it's him. But you see that he's trying really, really hard and yeah. doing a good job with it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. So you see he's a good actor, but yeah, I, I do think you... I have. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a film where I've managed to escape from the fact that it's Leonardo DiCaprio that I'm watching, apart from what's eating Gilbert Grape. But, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I kind, of, kind of gangs of New York for me. Obviously, that's also got... To, the incredible Daniel Day-Lewis in it. But for, for me, Gangs of New York is a very underrated film as yeah. well. But anyway, back to The Aviator. Yeah, so if you look at the cast, DiCaprio, Kate Blanchett, playing Catherine Hepburn. Winning an Oscar for it. Winning an Oscar. Kate Beckinsale as Ava Gardner. As Ava Gardner. John C. Reilly, Alec Baldwin, Alan Alder, Ian Holm. Uh, you've got Gwen Stefani in there as Jean Harlow. Jude Law, Jude Law. as a drunken Errol Flynn beating <laughs> yeah, people up. That was in brilliant. Absolutely I love fantastic. that. I love that it's, scene. It's, it's Hollywood. I mean, it go, the, 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 the cast goes on. It's incredible. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, and I think it's absolutely it's it's beautifully designed. Yeah. I mean, the the fact that it gets into um, even the opening of the well, the the facts when you know about what happened in Howard Hughes's later life and his whole sort of like germ phobia, 
And the opening scene of this film is haunting mm. with him and his mother and his mother's like cleaning him and yeah. talking all about like, you know, about germs and you know that you can never actually, you're never safe and all mm. that kind of stuff. Coming it, to get you Because everywhere. it just looms over the entire rest of the film, no matter what he does. And like, and then it goes into the bit where he's making Hell's Angels, oh. which, which he took, he took three years to make this film. But how many people do you think actually went and checked that film out because of this? I think oh, I'm thinking of going to check it out. Oh, it's great! I, I, yeah, I, de- I definitely did. Yeah. I'm going to check it out because I want to see what this. Because he essentially they're making this film, and because he's his family has made money through something else, it's something oil cans or something like that. And so he's already rich, and he wants to go up to Hollywood, and he wants to make this big epic, I think World War One movie. And he's spending, he's just chucking all this money at it, and people are going, "What is up with Mr. Hughes? What's he doing, chucking all this money at it?" And th- there's this line that's like, "If he gets everybody in America to buy a ticket, then maybe he'll turn a profit." Because he spends two years making this film, finally finishes it, and then he decides. And when they're having the big release, hey, we finished making the film, he calls aside his financier, and he's like, yeah, "You good. see this." Everything is all about sound. We need to remake this film, but for sound, because it was made. It was a silent movie. Yeah, yeah not yeah. just remake it, but get every single airplane that you can possibly get your hands on. Yeah, and put together and stage the largest aerial sequences of its time. Yeah, and, and some I mean, of the shots. I mean, some of the aerial shots, like the bit where he where he's running all around California trying to find a place with clouds, yeah. so he can so he can film all these planes against yeah. clouds, and the bit where he's actually in the plane in sort of like a little sort of cockpit area at the yeah, front, it's a, and it's he's fantastic filming. dizzying camera move as it goes oh. over him and. and the, him on this plane and he's just filming everything around him yeah and and then the bit where he also when he's in the h1 racer where he after he's obsessed about the fact that this has rivets and the rivets are slowing the plane down the rivets need <laughs> so, to be flush so he, he keeps he just keeps yelling at his engineers like and there's all these wonderful scenes that they keep coming back to where you have all the engineers standing there sort of like looking at him like oh my god what's he gonna say and he's running his hand over the plane and he goes no not good enough that <laughs> But yeah. you, you've got a, a, a director who clearly loves film, who clearly yeah. appreciates the magic of film, yeah, tackling a character it. who loved film, film um, yeah. in uh, in in a period where film was, you know, in its golden era. It's just wonderful. It's a perfect match of director with subject material, and and I uh, love the film. Yeah, and I, I have to I have to agree with you on that. I think it's a it's a brilliant brilliant. I think and it's sumptuously designed yeah. as well. I mean, the planes look amazing. Yep. Everything just looks great. And Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn, it's... It's brilliant. It, it's absolutely brilliant. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant because what, what it looked like, it looked, it looked like Catherine Hepburn playing a character. Yes, <laughs> yes. That, that's, that's the thing about it. It it's, was close enough to her to be her, but it wasn't just a complete... Yeah, mm. it, it, looked, it looked like it was Catherine Hepburn playing a character in a film that happened to be called Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. It's like the voice and the mannerisms and everything like that. I think... I think they nailed a lot with this film. They nailed a lot with this film. I, I, just, yeah. I think Kate Blanchett's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, is. if anyone's seen, have you seen Blue Jasmine? Oh yeah, that, it's just she's she's oh. absolutely amazing in that. She she's like brilliant. one of those she's one of those characters that you do not like, but that's the point. Yeah. Okay, cool. We have like three minutes. All right. Three minutes left, and now let's do the final clue. The final clue. If you haven't got it so far, this one uh, should hopefully give you a bit of a push. At the funeral for their partner, this screen legend put a whistle into the coffin of the deceased. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready I'm because ready. We're, we're almost out of time. Sharon, do you have any ideas? I was thinking Lauren Bacall. Okay. Tozen, what do you reckon? Marlene Dietrich. Ooh, Mr. Harris. Rita Hayworth. <sighs> Now that's fascinating. That's really, really interesting. Okay, obviously there were four people that inspired Jessica Rabbit. Veronica Lake, Julie London, Rita Hayworth, 
and today's screen legend. So it's not Rita Hayworth. Sharon got it right. Oh, oh no, Sharon. Oh, Lauren McCall. I said, I said that and, I, and I said you weren't a million that miles is, away. That is, you said it wasn't. A, I said Lauren McCall, and you said I, oh. I did say. I, you got me again, Joe. That was the first choice after the second clue. Obviously, the the partner would have been Humphrey Bogart, and it, and it would have been in reference to the, the yeah. line into you, you know how to whistle, oh, don't you? You, know, you just I, put your lips together and blow. I was actually thinking of that line. I just got the actress wrong. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, Marlene Dietrich is come up and see me sometime yeah yeah oh good come lord, up I... sometime and see me oh good lord i got the lines well wrong. done sharon yeah. that's brilliant well done. Good. Good. Hey. Well I, think done. I, I think that's the first one we've done where we've all come up with different answers yeah, yeah. and like one of them that. was right <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. normally we all have different answers and they're all wrong <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. oh no i thought you, i thought you were, i thought you were doing some smack talk in there oh i wouldn't dare <laughs> she was scowling at you as she said it i could see <laughs> so I told us back talking. Oh, well, okay, cool. This has been a lot of fun. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, tune in for the Great Vectors Music Show. Uh, go onto our website, which is sunshineradioiow.com, if you want to make a request for a song to be played on a show of your choice, even our show, maybe next week. Until then, please do look after yourselves, listen to your doctors, get well soon, get home, watch loads of films, and please remember that they do not make them like they used to. Good night. <laughs>